morning, as we begin, I have a, a little song quiz for you. See if you can name the artists who sing this song, and I'm going to warn you right now, you probably need to be at least my age, maybe older than me, to get the answer. But maybe I'm wrong there. So in my low-tech way, because I don't want to sing it for you, afraid that I might mess it up, I'm going to try and play it, and hopefully this is a little low-tech this morning, but bear with me. So here's a song, and it has a chorus. Who sings this chorus? You know that? I am a rock, I am an island. It's kind of a catchy chorus. That line of that song, that might be the only line of that song that I actually knew before getting ready for this morning. But it's pretty catchy. Who's got it? Who's singing it? Simon and Garfunkel. Yes, Simon and Garfunkel sang this song, I am a rock, I am an island. Really catchy phrase that every time that comes on, I just sing out with it. And maybe you do too, because it's really easy to sing along with that catchy phrase. It's the chorus of that song. But I want to read to you some of the other lyrics of that song that surround that chorus. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. And so Simon and Garfunkel, they put the subject of that song, the one who's singing it, is someone who has pushed aside friendship, pushed aside relationship, pushed aside connection with others, pushed aside laughter and, and joy, maybe because there's some vulnerability there, but has pushed that all aside to be a rock, to be an island all on their own. Now, do you ever sing along with that chorus, not just because it's catchy, but because you feel that way? You feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel like you are, are this rock all by yourself, you're, you're an island separated from others. My dear friends, today I want to tell you that you are not alone. You are never alone. So far in our walk through the creed, we've really focused on a vertical component. How we relate and how we understand our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and our God is a relational God. It's clear from the very beginning as he created human beings that he designed us to have a relationship with us, to connect with us. And so your God never wants you alone. In his magnificent, 
incredible plan, he even sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to walk among us, to be in our shoes, to serve us with his sacrificial death, and then to assure us of his continued eternal presence among us as he rose from the dead and ascended up into heaven. Last week we heard that he has not abandoned us, he has not orphaned us, but he has promised and sent the Holy Spirit to walk with us every step of the way, to help us to be right by our side every day of our lives. This vertical component, the relationship we have with our God. But the creed is also interested in a horizontal component. And that's what we get to today. As we reflect and we realize that if God is so relational, God is so connected, so invested in our lives, and he himself has redeemed us to be his very own people, then what does God desire for us but to reflect him and to be relational and connected with one another? God has called us to grow deeply together. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit in our hearts leading us by the gospel of Jesus Christ, He has forged us, He has created us as a part of the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. And when the creed uses those two phrases, it's really speaking about the very same thing, but it's coming at it from two different perspectives. And maybe we'd say that one is, is the broad, the wide perspective, and then one is a little bit more a narrow and specific perspective. But what the creed helps us to reject today is isolationism. That as a believer, as a Christian, someone redeemed by the blood of Christ, you cannot be an island all on your own. But God forges his people into a community. A community that is deeply connected with one another. And now some of us, right, we're maybe more introverts and, and some of us are more extroverts and, and so some of us are maybe going to have many, many, many deep connections and deep friendships and, and others of us are maybe, maybe only going to have a few of those deep connections and relationships. The number is not important. What is important is that we do connect with others. That we are not all on our own, all by ourselves. And that does really push against our culture. Even though we might not think that that would be the case, right? Because we have so many opportunities to be connected with one another. We have so many tools at our disposal that we can be connected. We have cell phones and email and text messaging and Facebook and FaceTime and Instagram and Snapchat and everything else that allows us to instantaneously, easily connect with others. But doesn't it feel like sometimes that that connectivity that's so easy for us, it, 
It's like a, a hundred miles wide, but it's only a half inch deep. You know, it, it's almost as if we are, we are so connected that we're, we're overly connected. And we don't dive into those deeper relationships. It's not that we can't use those tools. They, they can be incredible tools, and, and we can use such tools to grow deeply connected with one another. I just don't know that we very often do. You know, we, we have this connectivity, our 500 Facebook friends. We see all their pictures, but we just really don't know them that well. And so the creed helps us this morning because it provides the symmetry and the clarity to understand that as we think about the holy Christian church, it is both massive, monumental, it is made up of multitudes, and at the very same time as the communion of saints, it is a place where we can grow deeply connected with one another. As you hear the Holy Christian Church, that phrase, you might recognize that some translations of the creed, they use the phrase the Holy Catholic Church. And it's not talking about the, the Roman Catholic Church specifically, but it's using the word Catholic with its first meaning, which is universal. This is the universal Christian Church, all of God's people of all time. That beautiful, incredible picture that we saw in Revelation chapter 7 this morning. People from every tribe, every nation, every language, all over the earth. Past, present, and future. That is the holy Christian church. All those whose robes have been washed white in the blood of the Lamb. And as God brings them together and what unites this community this holy Christian church, what unites us is not our race or political ideology or agendas. It's not our culture. It's not our interests. It's not our family status or socioeconomic status. What unites us in this community is the very blood of Jesus our Savior. It is the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what unites us in this community. And maybe just look over those words from Revelation 7 again. Just marvel at it. I mean, it's beautiful what God has done. God has this incredible family, and He has adopted so many to be His children. Parents, have you ever had that conversation with one another? Like, how many kids can we really handle? Or maybe after church today, just talk to some of our academy staff and ask them how just a couple of days in the classroom with 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, 22 students, how that went. I mean, there's, like, there's a reason that we cap class sizes. But when it comes to God's family and God's kingdom, there's no cap. God, is, God says, no, I want more. Let's keep this going. I want to adopt more and more and more children. I want many, many children in my family. God wants heaven to be incredibly crowded. And it's just a remarkable, beautiful thing. 
every tribe, every nation. And the common language that unites us is the language of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And this grand community, this massive, made of the multitudes community, the Holy Christian Church, it finds expression. It intersects in time and space in local, visible churches and congregations like us, like Divine Savior Siena. And so as we get into God's Word this morning, as we get into the Gospel from Mark chapter 12, we're going we're gonna to see the picture and paint the picture of what that looks like. What that communion of saints looks like. So in Mark chapter 12, you had this teacher of the law, somebody who was an expert in God's Old Testament scriptures. And he overheard this conversation that Jesus had with some other experts in the Old Testament scriptures, and he could tell that Jesus had some profound wisdom and understanding. And so he asked a question. What's the greatest commandment that God has given us? And Jesus' answer was, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And those are like the, the two big, bold headings over all the commands of God, right? You know, we like to, to neatly categorize them and, and put them in their little compartments and say, here's this law and here's that law and this command from God. But really, they are all connected and all starts with that love for God and then flows into love for my neighbor. And so when I love my neighbor, I'm loving God. And when I love my brothers and sisters in Christ and, and the, the family that is the church, I love God. The applications of that, how it works out in our daily lives, I mean, that is incredibly broad, right? You may know that in another scene, another setting, the follow-up question was, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus' answer was, yes. Like, is that guy over there my neighbor? Yes. What about her over there? Yes. What about that guy back there? Because I really don't like him. Yes. He's your neighbor too. And so the applications for loving our neighbor are incredibly broad, but today we're going to focus very specifically, very narrowly on the applications that we make within the communion of saints, the church. And it helps us to really understand that in the church we have all kinds of opportunities to faithfully carry out these two greatest commandments. It helps us to understand what the church is to be all about. It is to be a place where we connect with God. But that connection to God, it's not solely or primarily about what we bring to God, right? Not as we think about our, our offerings and our sacrifices of bulls and rams that the teacher of the law talked about, but our offerings and our sacrifices of our praise our prayers, the, the gifts that we bring. And to be sure, God is pleased in those things. God is pleased with your praise. He is pleased with the, the songs that you sing. He is pleased with your generosity as you bring it forth. But first, God connects to you. 
First, God comes to you through his word, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper. And he promises and assures you of your forgiveness that you stand right with God, that you have been washed clean. He shows you his incredible love and he connects deeply with you. And then that love flowing through you moves you also to connect deeply with one another, to extend that community, that relationship to each other. Being church is not about coming to church. Right? I mean, like, we use that language. We say, I'm, I'm going to church, or I, I went to church. But I think sometimes, because we use that language, maybe we, we get this false idea, this false notion in our mind that, that what church is, is, you know, it's going to a place, going at a specific time, and I spend an hour and an hour and a half there, and I, I sing some songs, and I hear a preacher preach, maybe grab some snacks on my way out the door, talk with a few people, and then I check out. But that's not what God desires for his church. That's not what God desires for you. What happens here is just a small sliver of the feast that God has in store for you. You God has created his church to be this amazing thing this living, breathing, energized, active, loving entity, loving every single day and every single hour. And so last week helped us to avoid a DIY, do-it-yourself Christianity, right? And we also need to avoid an ABY Christianity, all by yourself. No, God desires that we be deeply connected in a community that then reflects this holy Christian church to our world. And in verses 32 and 33 of our gospel reading this morning, that teacher of the law, he praised Jesus. He said his answer was a, a good answer. And in fact, he said to, to love God with everything you have and to love your neighbor as yourself, it's, it's better than everything else. It's better than all the sacrifices In other words, he elevated Jesus' answer over the very worship system that God himself had established. And we want to elevate it too. We want to elevate what the Christian church is above just formal public worship. And just think what that means. Because amazing things happen here. When we gather like we are right now, amazing, wonderful, even miraculous things happen right here. And yet God wants more for his church. He wants more amazing, miraculous, incredible things to be going on all the time in his church as we grow deeply with one another. And so the New Testament really provides a framework for us. There's 59 one another statements in the New Testament. Statements like love one another, help one another, forgive one another, be devoted to one another, confess 
to one another. Do not anger one another. Be of the same mind as one another. And so for us to really carry that out rightly, we also have to gain the symmetry to understand that if you know everyone, you probably really don't know anybody. I once heard a pastor, his name was Larry Osborne, and, and he used this illustration similar to the one I used with the children this morning, right? Those Lego bricks. And they have the, the little dots on them, and that's, that's how they get connected together. And, and he said that every single one of us is like a Lego brick, but we only have so many connection points. To connect deeply with other people, to have that real deep, open, honest relationship with another person. And some of us are maybe like, maybe we only got four connection points on our Lego brick. And, and some of us, maybe we have like 70 or 80. But none of us can connect with everyone. Because to truly, deeply connect with somebody, that means you have to know their histories You have to know what's different and what's shared. You you have to know much about them, and that takes time, and that takes effort, and it takes energy. How are we going to do that here at Divine Savior? What are the things that we are going to do that will help us to build that community with one another, to deeply connect and we have our fellowship after worship. That's a great opportunity. We, we can get connected with one another as we join together in, in Bible studies. Another great opportunity. And we have the blessing right now that we are still a relatively small church. But we don't want to stay small. No, because we want heaven to be crowded too. We want our church to be crowded. And if God blesses that and we grow then to be deeply connected with one another, it's going to become even more challenging. So I want to ask you to think, what are the things that you can do? What are the things we can do to help us to grow deeply connected with one another? And we're going to, we're going to do some of that. We're going to start connect groups, these small groups that intentionally stay small so that you can get to know others better. But what, what else can we do? Because as we grow deeply connected with one another, then, then our counsel to one another, it becomes so powerful and impactful. Because you're probably like me, and, and you probably do about 90% of what you do because you think that it's right. But you know what? You may not be right all the time. In fact, you may not even be right most of the time. But if we can gather with fellow believers, if we can invite their counsel to speak into our hearts, if we can run things by them, if we can talk and we can discuss openly and honestly because we have that deep connection, it's going to help us. It's going to allow us to build and grow with the wisdom that God himself gives through that connection. And I struggle with that. struggle to open up and, and invite others to speak to me. But God desires that for us. Jesus said to that teacher of the law, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Rejoice that you are in the kingdom of God.
You have been adopted. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You are part of those who have washed their robes white. You are a part of the holy Christian church. And God will bless you as he continues to forge us into this deeply connected communion of saints. 